0: Actually find out what your customers want and give it to them and give it to them in a way that you may already be giving them exactly what they want. They just don't know that you are giving them that thing. So use the language patterns that your customers are using in your copy. And then when we're talking about conversational commerce at the start,
1: Hey, folks, welcome back to the 10K Collective podcast, the place to be for six, seven, and eight figure Amazon sellers, a subset of the amazing FBA podcast family. Today, we're in the middle of a conversation about conversational copywriting, or really how to write copy for e commerce, uh, particularly with a a spin for it for Amazon sellers, but not only, with Paul Ace of AmplifyC.com. And really interesting conversation. We've had a lot of sophisticated understanding of psychology that's behind all this stuff. So, if you need to hone your copywriting, and I would argue you probably always should be honing your copywriting because it's the the bedrock, the, the what's the word, the spine of your Amazon listing, even if that's all the copywriting you do, then you should stay listening. So I hope you enjoy today's show and do take detailed notes as ever. If you want to get more notes, go to 10kcollective.com where you will find some juicy show notes waiting for you. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Yeah. So a couple of other things then. Um... We've talked about where people are making mistakes with their uh, copy. Where do you think businesses are losing the most money? And again, I suppose I'm sort of Amazon centred, but in e-commerce generally, where, where are the people messing this up?
0: Yeah, and you know, if if you're the kind of person who sells on Amazon but also wants to go and create your own product store as well, I think uh, one one of the key ways that I've always that I found was the customer service level. Right, Um, and obviously the customer service level is a little bit different on Amazon because they're they're fulfilling the majority of that. However, customer wow, like, and what we said before about like putting postcards in there and stuff like that, not just kind of like discount off your order or things like that, or, you know, because we've got to be careful with compliance and so on and so forth. But like, just like, for example, having a system where you've got handwritten notes in there. Yes, it takes more time, but no one else does it so so like would that get someone coming back over and over again you know it'd be like wow you, you know this was originally packed by blah 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 right before it went to fulfillment house originally packed by uh, packed with love by blah 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 handwritten those kind of things are like a really take things to the next level another another thing that we used to do on the the e-com side of things and we had a shopify store and a lot of people were selling the same product as us on Amazon, and. But you basically they all used exactly the same pictures and everything. So the other thing, uh, the way to stick out on that right is if you're doing anything like uh, drop shipping or pulling the same product that someone else is selling, then make sure you get unique products, pictures done, so it looks different from everyone else's. (laughs) Uh, Because otherwise, they're just like, wait a minute, why is that one fifteen and why is that one ten? They look exactly the same. Absolutely.
1: By the way, just a hint to anyone who's doing private labeling where you've got much bigger minimum order quantities, a lot of people are dumb enough to use the same pictures as everyone else or have a product that looks pretty much the same as everyone else. It, the worst case scenario is you paid a photographer a few hundred bucks to get a product that looks exactly the same as everyone else. That's actually quite common and that's kind of tragic. So yeah, unique product pictures, hundred percent. I just want to kind of, you know, just, just to emphasize that even if you have a quotes, different product, it, it's not enough to be somewhat different. Because when you're scrolling through Amazon, as you said, on your phone, everything looks very similar quite quickly, unless you really stand out right. Absolutely right. So tell me a bit more about how you scale up this customer wow stuff. You mentioned, so handwritten notes. That sounds quite hard to scale. I can hear that people saying, but Mike, so I'm kind of, you know, kind of pacing my audience here and thinking I I know what's going on in their heads. I can't scale handwritten notes. So how do we deal with that problem?
0: Yeah. So here's the most important thing is how much is a customer worth to you? And then... If you added those extra touches, how much would a customer be worth to you then? So it's important to know the numbers, right? So if you can track things like repeat buyers, if you can track your lifetime customer value, and you go, okay, for it. So, and we do this with our clients where we'll go, okay, great, we've implemented this thing. Now, we know this many people got this thing because we've added a tag essentially to them. So imagine uh, like a shopping tag, right? You've added, added a tag on there to go, right, anyone in that box has had this thing, And then we track that lifetime customer value over a 30, 60, 90 day period to see if that customer's worth more or not. Now, think of it like this. If someone buys your product once and they only buy once, right? Let, let's say it's something that people could buy more than once or you've got other products in your product line or something like that. They buy a product once and um, that's it. Now, you start adding some customer wow in there and you go, huh, people start buying on average twice. Now, that gives me another $30 each time, right? So now my lifetime customer value has gone up $30. How long does it take to write a handwritten note per order? Maybe, what, one minute max, okay? So then you go, okay. How much does it cost for uh, that person's wages per hour? Let's say, I don't know, but let's say it's, I'm trying to work with easy numbers here. So let, let's let say even, let's say it's $60 an hour for someone to fulfill it. Yeah. Right, and it takes one minute. That means it's cost you a dollar. But if you've made an extra $30, is it worth doing the scalable thing and actually adding that customer wire And Is it worth maybe hiring someone just to write those handwritten notes?
1: Yeah. I like the thinking. The only barrier we've got here, if you're selling on Amazon primarily, and by the way, you were saying earlier, if if you've got somebody who sells on Amazon but is aspiring to have their own e-commerce store, I don't think I know anyone who sells on Amazon who doesn't aspire to have their own e-commerce store. Many of them have it, and it has like 1% of their revenue. But if you are going through Amazon, it's a bit tricky to track leads, isn't it? Have you got any sort of workaround?
0: Not, I haven't quite got the experience in the tracking on on that side, right? Because we just haven't done it as much. I mean, we, we track it a lot with our clients stuff and we use tools like segmetrics or Hiros or things like that but what what i will say is when when we've done similar things from an econ perspective on our own store one of the key things that i added in is i i set up a trigger that every time someone abandoned the cart it sent me a notification to call that abandoned cart. now was that manual work yeah <laughs> it was a lot of manual work did i find out why my customers weren't buying yeah did, it, did I then turn them into sales? Yeah. So one of the key things that I did on that, right? It was uh, so anyone who's like thinking about maybe having a second stream of income going on as well. So you've got traffic you can control because, hey, you might want to go and have that traffic that you can control over there and then send them back to Amazon to because and then get more reviews on Amazon and then grow that product listing. And it gets up the organic rankings as well. So it, you, sometimes you can use a combination of the two. So one one of the things there that we do on those abandoned cart phone calls, I just ring people up st- straight within five minutes of them abandoned cart, and I just ring them and I, I just be like, let's say it's, it's Jenny. So we, we ring up and say, hi. Is that Jenny? And she's like, yeah. Who's who's this? Hi, it's it's Paul from Dreaming the Secrets. Just wanted to just wanted to check if something went wrong or something broke. Uh, I noticed you started ordering but didn't finish. I just wanted to make sure you're okay. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was just wondering about blah, blah, blah. I was like, great. Um, And then I'd answer her questions. Tell me a bit more about your wedding. And she's like, oh, why are you so friendly? Right. Right. So we, we got we got in, uh, started building a relationship, build a rapport. And then I say to her, listen, thanks so much for your time today. I really, Just to say thank you, I'd love to give you a 10% discount. Now, uh, unfortunately, it does expire in 24 hours, but I can give you I can give you that code right now. And we can just check that that works. Is, does that work for you? And she's like, oh, yeah, that's great. It's like, great. So if you just go to the site, and she's literally on the phone, and then I'll close it on the phone. So then you turn those abandoned carts man. into sales, yeah. and I get to do customer research at the same time.
1: Be smart. What, what I really, really like about this is is the following, that for the majority of Amazon sellers who have been around for a while, they've got a Shopify store and it does very little in revenue. But what I would say is it's an incredible under-your-control laboratory. And you just explained how it doesn't matter if that happens once a week, like over 50 weeks of the year that you're working or whatever you're working or your staff, you've got 50 research calls. Like if you one abandoned card a week that answers the phone, right? And, and that would be amazing insight to then tweak the Amazon copy because there are three or four key objections they've got in their mind that you haven't answered that you could answer in the copy. So I really like that because... It's scalable for people who haven't got, a, and most of their sales coming through e-commerce store. And it strikes me more than ever that this is a, a great reason to have a Shopify store. Is nothing like what people think it is, which is alternative sales channel. I don't think testing it is ground. for most people. It's a testing ground, exactly, and it's also a communication ground. So two sides of the same coin, right? You can't really test. Mm. I really like that a lot. I mean, it's going to take somebody a bit of courage to to get up the, the <laughs> get behind their computer screen and actually talk to real humans, which they may be out of practice at doing, but. But I, I swear, anyone could do that, and it would be really good for them. I love that. I love that a lot. So I was about to ask you if somebody wants a quick win. What's the fastest way to do that? And that—that that sounds like an amazing win to me. That—that's one to take home to the bank. What are other quick wins you got for our particular yeah. sort of Amazon sellers who maybe have a Shopify store?
0: Yeah, so uh, again, in that that situation, this this is just where I've got more experience, right? Is 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 on building the store, and then you can direct people back to, to Amazon. So what one of the ways is potentially running viral competitions, right? So if if you want to contain your own list, gra- grab your own list, so then you can send them back to Amazon and and build those organic rankings and and get more reviews and so on and so forth. Then find some traffic that you can control as well. So for example. That would mean, like something that we've done in the past, is we went and found some of the biggest industry players that had complementary products, and then we work with all those together, and we'd we'd have it on on the form where it'd say, "Please note that your information will be shared with the other the other people who are, are giving you the products." Right, so like, people know exactly that they were signing up, and then the email would be shared between the viral between the other companies that are involved. So we get like ten companies involved. It costs us nothing in products. They would all promote as well, and then we could just bring this virality together, and then you'd end up with this massive competition where everyone wins at the back of it, right? So, you, like for example, in the wedding industry, it's like, well, we do bridesmaid's dresses. Maybe we've got a wedding dress company. Maybe we've got an entertainment company. You know, shoes or things like that as well. Like wedding planning. Like you just start bringing all these things together, and and then people are like, oh my god, I want to, I want to win that package right? And so you've just basically attracted an audience of your perfect audience that then you've got some traffic that you can control and then you can send them back to Amazon and you can also send them to Shopify as your testing ground and then go and optimize those things, close off in the abandoned carts or whatnot. And then if you want to close the abandoned carts and close them on Amazon because you want to get higher in the rankings there organically, you know, and make more sales there, then you can do, but you control that traffic.
1: Amazing. I like that a lot. So the wedding thing it it keeps coming up so your your business with uh wedding singer so i've got a little note here from your bio which i just got to bring up lot of one of your the the one page you sent to to tell on the podcast which says i'm just going to quote it verbatim because i think it's really cool and i'd love to hear the answer tell us how you went from selling sausage rolls to being a wedding singer to selling bridesmaids dresses (laughs) that's (laughs) got to be answered tell me all about that sounds like a fun story Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best AI repricer for Amazon profits. Private label sellers are you wasting your cash eva reprices your products for you and the result is up to 50 percent more profits eva serves hundreds of seven-figure sellers in the usa and is now out for british and european sellers as well for a 15-day free trial go to amazingfba.com forward slash eva that's amazingfba.com forward slash eva
0: Yeah, so I was, when I came came out of school, I had the opportunity to go to university. I think you guys call it college. So I, I had the opportunity and I was like, do you know what? I just want to go straight into work. So I started off working at Subway at four, £4.70 an hour, which works out about, about $6. Uh, it costs about £4.50 for the f- two hours of parking. So my first hour was free and I worked like a three-hour shift. So basically I was making about £8 a day. And then after three months, I ended up getting a job at a... Um, what's it a very known well-known bakery chain in the uk it's got about two thousand stores and yeah i was selling sausage rolls and went through learned about management and was running 20 staff at 20 years old like super stressful but worth it because it taught me all the things i needed to understand about systematization right and building sops and things like that to, in order to grow and scale the business so once i've done all that then i was like do you know what i'm i I really don't like working here anymore. And that wasn't because of them. It was because of me. I changed and moved on. Uh, And I was like, I want to do my own thing. So I'd learned to sing a few years before. I'd been a drummer since I was like 11 years old. Uh, but then I realized you can only make about £60 a night from drumming unless you are exceptional, and I wasn't exceptional. So I was like, I'm going to learn how to sing. So I learned how to sing and became a wedding singer for four years, which then led to us creating a info product for brides-to-be, which was a physical info product, right? So it was like this Dream money Secrets box, which was designed to attract more people to the singing. And it turned into another business because we asked our customers what they want so we built a Facebook group off the back of selling that box. We got three thousand people in our Facebook group, and then we just put a survey out. We just put a survey out that says, "What do you want?" <laughs> Basically, yep. and what what do you want that you can't currently find when it comes to weddings? And they the biggest thing was bridesmaids dresses at a reasonable price. So we went to AliExpress find bridesmaids dresses at a reasonable price, uh, and then we and then we sold them for a decent markup. Made a lot of mistakes in that business, didn't understand my returns policy, ended up nearly going bankrupt, as you do. And then from there, like vow, vowed to, that. the problem with that business model, right? It was a group model, if you think about it. So if one bridesmaid doesn't like the dress out of eight, they send them all back. So great, you get to make group sales, but you also to get group returns. So we were looking at a product that had a higher lifetime customer value, Right, and then we started going. Well, what, what else could we sell them like uh, flower girl dresses, right? Shoes, anything like that. And then we'd start testing all these different products. But then I learned about marketing, stacking the value, and all these kind of things, right? And copywriting and everything like that. And that's like we we scaled that up to a bit over a hundred thousand, which at the time seemed like so much money. But then I took those skills as we ended that business, and then went into more like the digital marketing side of things, and then helping other businesses. And then we realized wow, you apply this to, to the the online coaching space and then it goes crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow. So that's quite the journey. I mean, and by the way, I think quite a lot of people listening, if they're doing, you know, the, the target audience is six, seven figure Amazon sellers. Quite a lot of those transition into the coaching space sooner or later. So if you're listening thinking, "I oh, talking about info products that's not relevant to our life, it probably will be. Like you are going to join the rest of us. <laughs> Everyone does it. And even if you don't, there's an awful lot that can be learned from different business models and applied. And I think people get... um incredibly narrow about they only copy like amazon sellers copy other amazon sellers shopify sellers copy other of shopify sellers and that's just incredibly um, narrow isn't it because what you've done is transition through a bunch of stuff very organically yeah. i really like the fact that you asked people what they wanted and then you went and got it that's it's kind of not hard to ask although it's not easy to be in a position to have the rapport with enough people to ask but to actually yeah. follow through on that is really cool i mean that's what an entrepreneur is as opposed to somebody thinking about it and yeah the group returns i can only imagine like apparel in in Amazon's infamous for return dates. So like in a wedding with multiple people, <laughs> must have been horrendous. Well, the, the he, here's here's like this is a, a massive
0: lesson. So any anyone who, who's listened to this, like if you haven't got you returned process dialed in like please listen to this because it will say it will save your future of your bank account so what I what I'd done we had a 90-day returns policy right because we were like okay so bridesmaids we'll put a longer return policy in there because you know they need to get everyone to try it on and so on and so forth by doing that what happened is we were tracking the returns based on the month that that sale happened so imagine you make $20,000 in that month then you get let's say $4,000 $5,000 back then you go, okay, I got 25% of my sales back. So you think, like, I know it's rough ideas, but like, let's say that's 25% return rate. Okay, in the apparel space, that's not crazy bad, to be fair, because it's typically about 40%. So we were looking at it and that's great. However, so we thought our return rate was 12% because we were based on that month's sales because we were scaling up. Then we hit a point where I went through all the numbers and then realized no, when we actually based it on the month that that sale happened, based on the return rate, we were at 30%. So we were more than double the return rate. So what was happening, I spent more money to, to acquire customers. So we'd go up, and we were up, I think, about 16000 a month. And then that month, then I had 25000 come back. Right? So it all compounded together, and, and yeah. I say I had post manit Which was basically when the postman came to the door every day. You know when they open the van and you hear the little beep, the little scanner? Every time I heard it beep, it was like 250 pounds. Beep, 500 pounds. Beep, 750 pounds. Wow. And it was like, I, I had anxiety about the postman coming for about six months.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does not sound like a fun model. and I could see it's like a a form of overtrading, isn't it? But a very specialist one, kind of in the sort of with the returns not being foreseen. Yeah, I can see how you get into that, really. So, so what's the solution then? I guess that you have to have ninety day metrics. Well, like, yeah, what is the solution? Do you just have a shorter return policy now, or how did you? Well, the 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 the,
0: the way that we ended up solving it is we had to close the business down, and <laughs> um, because like there was. However, we couldn't switch off the ads, right? Because we had to we had to cover some of the cash flow, so I had to basically reduce the ads down over the course of three more four month period, and try and start another business at the same time to fund the one that we we're still paying out for. So it was like it was a really really crazy time. The solution to not letting that happen again is when you're tracking your numbers. This is why we are so obsessed with numbers in our business. Is when you're tracking your numbers, always track based on the same like apples for apples. Right. So if you're tracking a return rate, you track the month that those sales happened and then the returns that came in for that month's sales. You track the next month and enter the next month. You don't track the sales for this month and the returns from three months ago. But just because they came back today, they count as this month. We don't you don't do that because that's what ends up putting you in a mess.
1: It sounds a bit like the difference between cash accounting and sort of accrual. standard accounting. Yeah, accrual yeah. accounting, exactly, because basically you're relating the return to the sale as opposed to just kind of running it as it happens to turn up in, in real time, just week to week, months to months. Surely can literally kill a business, and it, it, yeah, it, it killed our business because I didn't know that number. Wow, interesting. Okay, well, there's a a warning point. So, if I I don't know even where to go with this because you've got so much to say, but I know we've got to wrap it up fairly soon. What do you think, from a conversation, you've got an idea of roughly who our clients are now, are the biggest sort of wins that people could implement into their business today if they're mostly focused on Amazon but say they have or are considering getting their own direct-to-consumer site there's somebody in that situation they're selling their own brand products what are the biggest wins or things that you think they could implement to get the biggest return from
0: number one talk to people (laughs) actually find out what your customers want and give it to them and give it to them in a way that you may already be giving them exactly what you want they just don't know that you are giving them that thing so use the language patterns that your customers are using in your copy. And then when we're talking about conversational commerce at the start, we're talking about embedded commands and things like that, right? That's a piece of it. The ultimate part of conversational copy is people like people like themselves. So converse in the way that people are speaking about themselves. So for example, if you go into a networking event or go in anywhere else and someone says something to you and you repeat that back to them, they will naturally like you. So, and if if they if they're standing or uh, tall and proud and stuff like that, and then you're standing tall and proud, then they were like, oh, this guy gets me. So it's the same thing. Mirroring is so important in the language patterns that your customers are using. So that's where I would start is look at your yeah, Amazon reviews, look at your competitors' Amazon reviews, see what language patterns are being used and see how you can put that in a conversational way to future pace the person's mind and get them to already test drive and have a successful test drive in the mind of your product.
1: I like that future pacing explained in a, in a really nice sort of sales metaphor. I like that a lot. Future pacing by test drive in their mind that's such an interesting such an interesting insight i love that because i haven't really thought about the fact that when you shop because sometimes it's so quick i'm, I'm buying something on amazon and i'm in a super hurry like all entrepreneur types kind of scan 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 yeah whatever click 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 and some part of my brain's gone yeah that'll be fine and that will fit here and yeah even if it's happening and i'm not conscious of it i guess that the marketers are smart enough to know that it's happening and they've done all that hard work so i don't have to the consumer which i think is uh, a lot of the key isn't it wow interesting stuff so if people want to work further with you what stuff do you offer and how do people do that
0: yeah so for, firstly that in term, that, that that phrase test driving your mind as well i just want to credit greg atkins for that because he t- he taught me that and like he just sums it up <laughs> perfectly and then secondly where can people find out more about us and what we do you can go to www.amplifyccom no hyphens or anything like that amplifyccom.com so it's amplifyccom.com
1: I bet you spend your entire life correcting people on that one one day you'll be able to afford amplifyc.com or something I guess but
0: yeah that got even more confusing so <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes well that's true yeah and what stuff do you do for people there I mean obviously you're a very expert in in the space and I get your passion and your you know school of hard knocks as well as some some real sort of structures you've got going there so I love the the approach but what is it you do in concrete terms for people
0: yeah so uh, right now we help Uh, seven figure plus course creators go and generate an extra six to seven figures in new revenue in the business in 90 days and without hiring a massive team internally or having to like outsource in that way we basically handle everything for them and make them more money in their pocket
1: Excellent. So there's no sort of direct uh, e-commerce offering at the moment, but uh, it sounds like you're thinking of potentially doing it. I and mean, you certainly got the e-commerce chops and, you know, you've got the scars. Yeah. yeah you got, got, got the right? chops and the scars, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So, you know, like in terms of, you may be listening to this just as it's released. You may be listening to it in a year's time. What I'd suggest you just go to, uh, because there may be a, a point on there where we, we do go more into that space. We, you know, we've already got clients that are very, very good in that space and teach people how to sell on Amazon where we would be looking more is more about helping people go in and sc- scaling on Amazon more on a one-to-one basis.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I would say that if you're one of the the classic listeners of the podcast, and you know you are probably a seven figure seller, and if you, especially if you've just sold a business or you've you know scaled to a significant size, chances are sooner or later you're going to join the rest of us and uh, create a podcast, maybe and certainly create courses. In which case, it's going to be directly relevant to you. This is great stuff. I know you've got to jump off onto another meeting, so I just want to say big thank you for coming on the show. If you're listening live, I think I would have quite a lot of questions for Paul if you're listening on the replay i should say on one of our social channels um then do pepper paul with some questions in the comments and just remains for me to say paul many many thanks for coming on the show and really great stuff i really really enjoyed today's show the energy and, and the, the school of hard knocks that you brought to bear today <laughs> thanks very much michael appreciate it welcome to the 10k collective podcast for six seven and eight figure amazon and e-commerce sellers part of the amazing fba podcast family if you want to scale fast target a seven-figure exit and enjoy the process then keep listening